Welcome back to Let's Talk About Women, a podcast where we talk about women's mental health across the reproductive lifespan. My name is Franziska Weinmar and I'm a doctoral candidate of the International Research Training Group 2804 and with this podcast we want to share insights from interdisciplinary research on women's mental health. Today I'm happy to welcome another of our esteemed IITG-associated postdocs at the University of Tübingen to our podcast, Dr. Lydia Kogler. Lydia is not only a clinical psychologist by training, but also an expert in neuroscience research on stress in the healthy and clinical population. Also, Lydia has conducted research on the modulation of stress by cognitive interventions, and I'm especially looking forward to discuss this with you. First of all, thank you, Lydia, for being here today and delving into the topic of stress from the perspective of psychology and neuroscience with us. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Lydia, we often say that we are stressed or feel stressed, but what is stress actually? When we um, talk about stress, we talk about a lot of different things in general. So. We can distinguish stressors against stress reaction. So we have to separate them when we talk about stress. In our daily life, we also often use stressors and um, being stressed or the stress reaction as interchangeable. So, but we of course have to distinguish them. Stressors can be uh, very multifactorial, of course. It can be daily hassles we have in our daily lives, like driving in the bus with a lot of people, for example, um, issues in the family you have each morning. Um, but of course, also pain and uh, medical issues are a huge factor. Um, we also can divide internal and external stressors, so external stressors that come from the environment and might not be changeable or internal stressors where you can maybe adapt or change them mm -hmm. so that there are very different things um, that are stressors also emotions or stuff like that of course can stress us and when we ask people they also they tell us What do stress them work might be performance or challenges, deadlines, mental load, conflicts with others. So there are a lot of different variables that are stressors to us. And then we have to distinguish the stress reaction. So how do we on a bodily reaction, but also on a subjective reaction, respond to these stressors. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and if we talk about stress, I also want to mention or have to mention actually that this stress reaction that um, comes up when we are exposed to a stressor is a highly sophisticated self-regulation system that actually is not a negative thing, but in first term, it, it is adapt an, an adaptive reaction to something that is posed on the organism. 
and it leads to an adaptive reaction and a habituation. And this is really beneficial for the organism and for the person. And stress, per se, is not a negative thing, actually, because it also can be uh, motivating. It activates the body, it activates the person. When you think in your everyday life, maybe from fascinating or interesting challenges you experience, um, it might be a holiday planning or you have a new task or a new job you have to perform. Um, it also increases your performance mm -hmm. and it also might lead to a positive flow experience throughout uh, your day. So just wanted to mention stress per se is nothing negative. So. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting and important point that you make right in the beginning that when we talk now very scientifically from research perspective, we have to distinguish between the stresses, so what causes the stress reaction and then the stress reaction. And then also to mention that basically the stress response is not negative, but then also helps us to recover from being stressed or brings us back to the maintenance level maybe that we tipped off after experiencing the stressor. Could you, because you talked about the stress response having effects within the body, for example, but also on the subjective level or the psychological level, can you explain very broadly what happens during this immediate stress response in the body? Sure. Um, so the stress re reaction in the body is... Uh, As I already mentioned, it is a highly sophisticated self-regulatory system here. And it is really an unspecific bodily reaction to any demand that exceeds the organism's resources. So um, we have a stressor which might be a pain experience or a, a psychological stressor or different um, things. And when the organism... Uh, experience that it is not able anymore to cope with the stressor. A stress re a reaction, a cascade of different hormones mm -hmm. is secreted. Um, um, for example, there is a, an, an axis, a neural axis or a body neural axis called hypothalamus pituitary adrenal gland stress axis, HBA axis, where um, via the hypothalamus and the pituitary Different hormones are secreted and in the end from the adrenal glands, cortisol is uh, secreted and distributed in the body. And cortisol, that is the hormone that probably all of us know as the stress hormone, right? Exactly. So mm -hmm. this is the stress hormone usually re referred to. So this is one axis. And there is another axis which is mass much faster than this HPA axis. Um, where via the locus coruleus, no adrenaline is secreted and in the end also adrenaline from the adrenal medulla is secreted. And this leads further to a very fast stress reaction, um, increasing heart rate, blood pressure. So this first um, bodily, we bodily sensations we experience. So we have basically during that stress response the secretion of different kinds of hormones that have yet again different functions within the body. So when you talked about the adrenaline, 
than we what we might have might know from our experience when we are stressed our heart is beating faster we might get very sweaty this is all probably ascribed to adrenaline that's the very fast and immediate response the so-called fight or flight reaction that is happening um, I love the examples always the same running from the lion back in the days um, running from some some predator but then we also have the another hormone the cortisol that also is secreted during the stress response but what does cortisol do in the body um, cortisol leads to a more adaptive reaction so there is a feedback cycle with this cortisol reaction and um, it activates the body so it is a um, it is a delayed uh, uh, response uh, to stress but it activates the the body it might lead to habituation from the situation to adaptation which is then a good thing actually so bringing back the body to the state or yes yeah. so, so ah, okay. exactly that we can bring back heart rate after we've been very much excited or in increased with everything during the stress response cortisol rather brings us back to the state before can we say it like this yeah in the end so it is a feedback mechanism in with cortisol and in the end um, it leads us or lead, it leads the body um, back to a status of homeostasis where we where the body is again in a relaxed or normal level Yeah. I really love the word homeostasis. Um, it, it's basically, as you said, it's describing that during stress, we are getting out of our normal state. We are maybe being pushed above um, with our heart rate, with our hormone levels. And then, of course, we need to return to a set level, right? Because we cannot stay in the super stress state all the time. So after the stress, like with everything... Um, and now I'm referring back to another episode where we talked to Sarah Metnick, we have these up and down states. And if you have an up state, you need a down state or you need to come back to another steady state, basically. And that's what you're describing as homeostasis, correct? Yes, exactly. This is uh, what we knew, what we need, um, these um, up and down states from Sarah Metnick. I also like them and... Um, in stress reactivity and how we, we react to stress, this is a very important point, of course, because we can deal with stressors. As I said in the beginning, it is not something bad per se. But when we deal with a stressor, we then need relaxation phases, which is important. So we can't stay in this upstate the whole time. Mm -hmm. So we need um, these relaxation phases where the body relaxes and we can relax the brain and our psychological state also so um, Recovers can come back. from exactly. the stress yeah. response. Yeah. And now that Recovers. you mentioned the brain, um, I'm, I will have to ask something about it because now we talked about the, the hormones being secreted that are also being triggered from parts of the brain that you mentioned. So the HPA axis, it all starts within the brain. Can you tell us more about what happens during the stress response also on the level of the brain? There are, um, of course, different neural regions activated when we experience stress from our um, laboratory research or experimental research. We um, know, of course, which brain areas are activated then. There were some recent meta-analysis showing that when we experience psychosocial stress 
And this is often the stressor we use in experimental studies. And maybe I have to give a short excurs how we assess yeah, experimentally. Please do. We, we have to know how, <laughs> okay, how okay. do you stress the participants in the study? <laughs> okay, then I have a short excurs on how we stress our participants, which is not a nice situation for our <laughs> investigators always. But of course, we are researchers and we have to stick to specific regulations and quality criteria and standards. And we want to exclude systematic biases to our research. So when we investigate stress in a experimental environment, but then more specifically in a neuroimaging environment, um, we have to stick to specific standards. And we call it psychosocial stress when we stress our participants with a social component. So may, mm. this might be a comparison to other persons, but also an evaluation from other persons. And we additionally stress them with cognitive challenges that might be an arithmetic task, for example. And then we have time pressure. And uh, we include also some kind of uncontrollability. And these are variables, factors that stress people. We know that from a lot of research that this increases the cortisol reactivity, heart rate, blood pressure, the psychological subjective reaction to a situation. So we know that this stresses people. So you basically... you you elicit several types of stresses, if we stick to the terms from before, to this poor participant. <laughs> and um, you can also then see in the end that you have different kinds of stress responses uh, from the participant that you're investigating, not only from the heart rate, from the cortisol or the hormonal levels, from the physiological, like the skin conductance that they're starting to sweat, but also they, they tell you that they feel stressed. And what do you see now on the level of the brain? On the brain, we see activation in different regions, and these are regions in the limbic system, which is um, often called as our emotional system, where we regulate our emotions. These are regions in the basal ganglia, like the striatum, mm. insula, frontal gyrus, thalamus. These regions we see activated when people get stressed. Mm. We also see deactivations in the amygdala and the striatum, for example, in the brain. Deactivations? Yeah. So there seems oh, to be, during okay. the stress response, are deactivations, like the brain is less activated than compared to a baseline. Okay. So what I gather from all of that is that during the immediate stress response, first of all, we have to say that this is not negative. We see certain types of reactions, as we have now referred to, and we can assess these in the lab and learn more about it, also about what happens on the level of the brain and what is activated, what is deactivated. But however, these days, most of us are not experiencing only an immediate and an acute and transient stressor and this respective stress response that takes them back to the baseline, but they are under chronic stress. For example, 
They wake up in the morning. They may have overslept and have to hurry. They're stuck in traffic. More pressures building up and now they're late for work. Then another deadline drops in. They increasingly perceive stress and on top of that an emergency is calling at home. They have to leave immediately and so on and so on. And I think everyone listening to this can get the story and knows what I'm talking about. As compared to the acute stress response that we've been now referring to, what are the effects of this type of constant or chronic stress? When an individual is um, constantly um, exposed to a stressor, is that your question? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So constantly being stressed and not being able to recover from that being um, coming back to the baseline. So when the the recovery is always interrupted by another stressor. As I already mentioned earlier, for our organism and for us as persons, it is really important to have these relaxation phases. This is important for the body, so that all these uh, stress hormones are not constantly uh, secreted or, or available in our body. And if there is no relaxation phase coming up, and we, the body can't relax, mm -hmm. of course, then there we have, um, it, 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 it affects um, our stress reaction per se, so. Mm -hmm. And if these multiple stressors are laid upon our body over a prolonged time, it is bad for the organism. So it comes with medical issues, with uh, dysfunctions in our cardiovascular system, in our gastrointestinal system, in the immune system. So it has effects, uh, a lot of effects and very complex effects on our organs. And is that, is that also why, I'm just, um, that question comes to my mind now, that is also why we get sick after um, a period of constant stress and then afterwards when we, when we have time to recover, we often get uh, sick because our immune system is affected by this it's, kind uh, of downregulated. Yes, uh, this might be an effect. We also have uh, to um, consider that cortisol also has anti-inflammatory <laughs> effect. Yeah. So exactly so uh, when cortisol is high after mm -hmm. a longer period and it decreases, then we also have to consider that this anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. effect, of course, decreases. So uh, Mm, yeah, so okay, maybe we I see. have to deal with inflammations, for example, okay. on another way. So there are multiple factors yeah. um, influencing the reaction, but um, you're right, this is a very mm. often and typically reported uh, reaction after a stressful yeah. <laughs> period that everyone knows sick, about exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> and now, talking about the psychological part of the stress response. What do we know about chronic stress and mental health? Chronic stress does not only have an impact on our bodily system and as I said like cardiovascular system or gastrointestinal system but of course we also see effects in our mental health and we talk about specific disorders um, that are we call it stress-related. For example, their outbreak or uh, relapse is associated with stressful experiences. 
this might be positive, ex stressful experiences, but also, of course, negative and chronic stress. And they also might be associated with stressors that already appear throughout childhood. So it is also associated with stressors across the whole life, actually. Mm -hmm. So, And this is, for example, in depression. We see in depression, and recent meta-analysis showed uh, higher levels in depression, in different cortisol parameters. So mm -hmm. we talk about a basal cortisol level, which is a kind of a cortisol level the body has when it is relaxed. Mm -hmm. And also in stress reactivity, thus when the body is exposed to a specific stressor, but also in the so-called cortisol awakening response, that is mm -hmm. the response the body shows after in the morning, so in the first hour mm -hmm. after awakening, when usually there is an increase in cortisol levels. In, and in these different parameters, cortisol, also in depressed patients, we see higher levels of cortisol. But it is also a very complex situation because when this chronic cortisol levels are increased, it also might get turned around and the cortisol level get blunted. Okay. So, so it's a little bit mixed in patients with depression. Yeah. So there's not a clear... In, in patients with depression, it's not always a higher cortisol level or cortisol response, but it can also be the reverse, that they have a blunted cortisol response. Yeah, it can also be. And it, it is also associated with different kinds of depression. Ah, so okay. it, it is a very complex interplay of neurostructures, mm -hmm. hormone release, a feedback um, cycle... A lot of different things. Also, there are also other stress-related disorders. For example, in schizophrenia, it is highly associated with uh, triggering effects of stress and the outbreak of the disease. Or also, uh, a relapse is associated with stressful experiences. So, where stress per se is not negative and actually can be adaptive to bring us back and, and help us to just face the challenges in life when it becomes chronic and not being quote-unquote under control it can have effect negative effects and even tip into uh, stress-related disorders as you know mm -hmm. talked about like depression or trigger certain onsets of schizophrenia for example and have also other yet then negative effects. Yeah. I see. So now that we have set the baseline about stresses and stress response, both the immediate and the chronic, I'm wondering if there are differences in the stressors or the stress response in women and men. That is, are there sex gender differences in the stress response? Yes, there are sex differences already in the stressors, which is of course, very interesting. So just if we ask women and men, mm -hmm. what do they report? What stresses them? And men rather report from work, from mm. deadlines, um, from uh, challenges they have to perform, from being constantly reachable. And women rather report, first of all, they 
um, put themselves under pressure by themselves because they have high expectations. That's what they say. But they also say multitasking in because they have to do care uh, work. Uh, they say they are stressed from conflicts with beloved others. So it's more a social mm. stressor they are reporting. So these are and uh, household and, and children care, care of, to take care of children. So um, if we ask women and men, they also already report from different kind of stressors. And if we induce stress experimentally, again, as I explained it before with this uh, psychosocial stressors, also on this level we see different stress reactions on a hormonal, hormonal level. So we see differences in cortisol response, a higher cortisol response in men. So they show a higher cortisol response than women to okay. psychosocial okay. stressors. This goes often also along with higher testosterone levels in men. And if we go into more detail in women, for example, then um, we also see that uh, women in their reproductive phase, women who have a menstrual cycle and hormonal fluctuations throughout this menstrual cycle, they differ in different stages of the menstrual cycle. The women in the follicular phase, which is the phase in the beginning of the menstrual cycle after the onset of the menses, they have lower cortisol levels than women in the luteal phase, where uh, in the end of the cycle, where the hormonal levels are higher uh, compared to the beginning of the menstrual cycle, where we have a really low hormonal levels of estrogen and progesterone. So within the women, we already see differences. And if we go into more detail, um, <laughs> we also have to consider hormonal contraceptive use mm -hmm. in women in the yeah, reproductive phase. Very complex. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they also have uh, lower cortisol uh, levels than men and than the luteal women, mm -hmm. women in the luteal phase. So yeah, we see sex differences in stress reaction. And also on the brain, a recent meta-analysis reported stronger activation in the amygdala and in the hippocampus areas of the limbic system in women than in men. Aha, uh -huh. I think that's very in interesting now because you said that the stress response differs in men versus women, first of all. And we see, for example, on the level of the cortisol response that men have a higher secretion of cortisol, whereas the Women, well, it depends on which kind of phase they are in. But you also say that then on the level of the brain, you see a higher activation of these stress-related brain areas in the women. So they differ on different levels, depending on the level that we're talking about in the stress response. Men and women differ. Yes, and if we talk about a psychological level, also we see sex differences with um, very often, it's not always the case, but very often um, women reporting higher stress levels than men 
this is also when we ask them in, a, in, in, in the general public, mm -hmm. so not, not related to experimental induction, that women report higher stress levels and a um, higher burden. And very often we also see that in our experimental research when we, when we do um, sex comparisons, that women report higher levels of stress reaction. And you previously also talked about the stress-related disorders. Do you see any sex gender differences when it comes to these disorders? Yeah, this is a very important question because we definitely see already prevalence, differences in prevalence rates between women and men in so-called stress-related disorders. Uh, which is in depression, women are twice as often diagnosed than men compared to men. This is, yeah, first yeah. of all, shocking. Yeah. And also in other stress-related disorders, we see sex differences is it in eating disorders with higher rates in women. In addiction disorders, men are more often diagnosed. Aha, uh -huh. so then we have dependent on the disorder that we're talking about, you already see difference in their prevalence rates. Mm -hmm. We also see differences in depression, for example, between in their stress reactivity between women and men. So stress-related disorders are associated with sex differences. And also for within the disorder, um, we see differences in cortisol reactivity, f for example. Uh, a recent meta-analysis showed higher cortisol levels in, in women with depression than in men with depression. In hair cortisol, which is a parameter for a, a chronic uh, stress um, assessment, so we can see how much cortisol was secreted throughout the last months. Mm -hmm. Um, we also see higher cortisol awakening response in women with depression compared to men with depression, but a higher stress reactivity in men compared to women. So even so, yes, we see sex. Also in general, we see sex differences between women and men. And if we go in more detail in stress-related disorders, we also see sex differences. And do we know already why that is the case? So do we have evidence or data or ideas, hypotheses about the reason of these differences in something like the physiological response or the cortisol response to stressors, both in the healthy and then also the clinical population? A huge impact, of course, have sex hormones. So... They differ between women and men with higher testosterone levels in men and higher levels of estradiol or progesterone in women, of course. Exactly. And we know that these, these sex hormones have an effect on the HPA axis, the axis where cortisol is the output. So that is probably why they have a different, for example, cortisol awakening response or cortisol response um, or brain activity response towards these stresses. Yeah, that might be. 
We know that um, estradiol, for example, enhances the HPA axis and testosterone inhibits the HPA axis. So there are different factors how sex hormones can contribute to different regulation of the stress regulation system. Here we need to go in more detail in the mechanisms, actually in the receptor density and receptor binding of uh, different hormones. Uh, we know, for example, that mineralocorticoid receptors bind progesterone. So, um, so the mineralocorticoid receptors are the receptors that usually are supposed to bind cortisol, the stress hormone, right? Yeah, there are two corticoid receptors Uh, in the brain or in the body usually that bind corticoids which uh, one of them is cortisol and this is the mineralocorticoid receptor and the glucocorticoid receptors and they have a different affinity already how they bind cortisol so in a relaxed state mineralocorticoid receptors have a higher affinity to cortisol but when the organism gets stressed then the glucocorticoid receptors also bind the, 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 the cortisol, so there, there are different mechanisms in, in the body, which are already very complex per se, but when then sex hormones come into play, it already gets more complicated, because, yeah, progesterone starts binding to the MR receptors. So what I would gather from that would be that Basically, the mechanisms of a stress response, they work similar in, in men and women, but they just differ in the way that the sex hormones modulate on top of that, these mechanisms. So that in the female body, we have different concentrations of hormones that also can influence these mechanisms. And that might, might in the end lead to these differences that you then see on a bigger level be it in the brain or on the hormone response towards the stressor. And now that we talked about the differences in the stress response and differences in mechanisms that might explain these sex differences, what are consequences of disregarding these sex-specific differences in stresses or the st stress response? Consequences of disregarding, yeah, so... Uh, here I want to mention first that, of course, women and men do not differ or are very similar in a very in a lot of things, um, which is, I think, is important to mention as well, that we have to keep that in mind, that they are not totally <laughs> different. But still, I think there is a little part that where they differ and we need to know why they differ, we need to know what implications does it have that they differ. So it is, in my opinion, really necessary to investigate this maybe very little part where they do not differ to improve gender equality in general. So we know that the impact, especially in stress research, we know that the impact of sex hormones on stress reactivity is present. Um, there was a lot of lot of research going on only in male uh, samples. It might be animal research or also human research that only investigated uh, male samples. Also with the reason sometimes because it's too complicated to assess the menstrual cycle with mm -hmm. all these hormonal variations and fluctuations. But 
of course, uh, we can just neglect these variations in hormones. So we are 50% of the population, about 50%. So and it's just a fact that this is happening. So we have to know about it. Yeah. We know that women and men are um, tell us um, different stressors, so why they are stressed. So, mm -hmm. And this might be due to expectations we have for women and for men. The, the culture we, were, we are raised in, childhood experience, so, so there's a lot of influencing factor, of course, but still we are faced with these differences. So women have to deal with other stressors than men and also associated with different sex hormones. I think it is really, really important to assess sex differences and also go in more detail maybe in women, so in differences mm. in women when it comes to, I mean, women throughout their lifespan are faced with different hormonal fluctuations. So we have yeah, the reproductive phase when we have the menstrual cycle with falling and rising of hormones. We go through pregnancies, which is, yeah... We are, <laughs> we are facing <laughs> a really high increase in hormone, sex hormone levels. Then there's the postpartum period after giving birth, which is also uh, um, full of decreasing hormone levels. And then we go through menopause again, which is associated with the rise and fall of sex Another hormones. So, yeah. um, besides assessing its differences between men and women, of course, it would be necessary to have a look more detail what what are women facing yeah. throughout their lifespan for sure and in general um, why do we investigate uh, women and men so why it is important to see we also of course want to improve treatments for women and men we know it for for pharmacological treatments that if they're only tested in men they might not fit to women so there is an impact probably of sex hormones and the whole mechanisms and metabolisms that come with it so the whole body needs to metabolize the pharmacological treatments um, and it does it in a different way in women and men so and we know that on a physiological level so and also for our psychotherapeutic interventions, we of course want to improve interventions for women and men. So it is necessary. We know there are differences on the body in mental reactions, in stress-related disorders between women and men. So it is really, really necessary to focus on this little difference <laughs> where women and men show differences to improve the resilience for both, of course, for women and men. So how can we improve their resilience and how can we empower them also to be more stress resilient? So I think what you say is very, very important because we know that there are sex differences in certain areas of the stress and stress response. And disregarding these sex differences would mean that we would always lack an understanding of what is happening, what is the consequence of the differences, what happens um, in stress-related disorders, and also, and specifically, uh, I think the, the last point that you made is, I just want to highlight that, also the treatment and interventions that might differ in men versus women and maybe men don't respond to the same treatment as women and maybe women don't respond the same treatment as men do. So disregarding sex differences has consequences for both men and women. I definitely think so also because you mentioned again like um, they react to different treatments. 
also when we asked them how they regulate their stress levels, they report different things. So um, it seems that in the regulation of the stress reaction, men rather report more active stress regulation techniques, such mm -hmm. as doing sports or something. Women often report um, rather calm intervention techniques, relaxation techniques, or reading a book, or talking to a friend. So also in their stress regulation, they report it. So it is definitely necessary to consider the factor sex also for regulation. I love that you already made the transition to what I was now wanted to ask. The part that comes after we experience the stress, and you already mentioned the stress regulation and the coping, modulating, and you have conducted studies on cognitive regulation, as you already introduced, but also uh, on the impact of self-esteem on stress reactions. And I want to go a little bit more into detail of these two studies. Can you tell us something about these and the results? Sure, yes. We did a study on cognitive re stress regulation and what we were interested in exactly is the differences between um, women and men in stress regulation and uh, does it work in the kind of stress we are applying. So what we know is that cognitive regulation of emotional situations, when we show for example, f um, emotional faces or emotional scenes, positive or negative, that it is possible to regulate the subjective experience by reappraisal or distraction by different cognitive regulation techniques, like as we call them. And we wanted to see whether this is also possible in this psychosocial stress situation we put our mm -hmm. participants in and whether women and men differ in their ability to cope or regulate these stressful situations. So what we did, we exposed them to a psychosocial stressor in an fMRI scanner, in the magnetic resonance scanner, put them in a stressful situation and asked them to regulate their experience. And of course we expected an improvement of their subjective experiences compared mm -hmm. to the mere exposure to stress, um, but we did not see that. So actually it was not possible for them to regulate their stressful experiences, but rather it increased the stressful experiences in women and in men. Uh -huh. So in both of them it increased, but in women it increased more. So women reported higher stress levels after stress regulation compared to non-regulated stress. And, and they also differed in response to men. So when women mm -hmm. tried to engage now in the regulation of their stress, it they, they failed to do so. They reported to be more stressed. Yeah, they reported to, reported to be more stressed after the psychosocial stress regulation. And also we, see, we saw it on a uh, neural level in the, in a, on the right temporal area where they had a higher activation in an area that is associated with attention processing and cognitive mm -hmm. processing. And um, we assume that this additional in instruction to cognitively regulate the stressful experiences in a cognitive situation mm -hmm. where they have a challenging situations and they have to perform arithmetic tasks 
was it was not possible as we saw and it additionally increased neural resources in an area mm -hmm. that is associated with uh, cognitive processing and attention processing so it increased their cognitive resources actually but only in the women or also in the we men we saw that only in the women yeah only in the women yeah. so whenever the women wanted wanted in this study in this particular study wanted to engage in the regulation it kind of backfired for them yeah I That's see. Right. And you already mentioned another study on self-esteem, which is a very important psychological resource in general, how, how we self-evaluate ourselves, so how we evaluate ourselves and what we uh, think of ourselves. So, And we know that self-esteem is associated with our stress reaction and higher self-esteem is associated with better performance or um, less mass anxiety in a performance situation, for example. So there is a very significant association between self-esteem and how we perform and, of course, how we feel in stressful situations. So as we saw <laughs> that cognitive stress regulation, which is not helpful in this psychosocial situation, we were of course, also interested in finding a regulation technique that, uh, uh, that helps in these situations, of course. And mm. we also saw the association between self-esteem and stress reactivity. And we had to come up with an idea what would be more helpful than cognitive regulation. Because that didn't really work for the women, at least. <laughs> at least for the women, yeah. We are now, um, we conducted a study and are still analyzing the data, so preliminary data on it. But we thought of, an, we need an intervention that increases self-esteem. Meta-analysis show that there are also differences between women and men in self-esteem. Men mm -hmm. generally report a higher self-esteem than women mm -hmm. does. We can also go in more detail and then we see that men have a higher self-esteem in performance self-esteem and f in appearance and bodily self-esteem. But women have higher self-esteem in social situations. They report higher self-esteem oh, for social situations. Yeah, but we came up with the idea we need to have an intervention that increases self-esteem and we performed one uh, where we specifically tried to increase uh, self-esteem in women. We This sample was only in women so far because it was a pilot study, so we stick only to one gender, but the preliminary an analysis uh, show successful increase in self-esteem and also a decrease in stress reaction. How did you increase self-esteem in the women? This was via positive self-instruction strategy. So we trained them in positive mm -hmm. self-instruction and then they performed it or trained it throughout um, three or four weeks, some weeks. Mm -hmm. And in the end, we uh, tested, of course, their self-esteem again. So we compared it um, to a control group and also saw how they reacted to social situations. And social stresses. And social stressors, yeah, in this case, so it was a specific a social stressor because it was a sample with only women. And it seems that the self-esteem increases and the subjective reaction to the social situation decreases. So, so yeah, we are looking forward to mm. publish the data, of course. So there is hope for us women that if the cognitive regulation doesn't work in, in decreasing our stress response, we can do so by improving our self-esteem. <laughs> I suggest <laughs> improving the self-esteem <laughs> yeah, to empower you. And how does self-esteem work for men? 
does it also have a positive effect on, in regulating their stress? This study we only run in women, as I said, mm -hmm. because it was piloting uh, the data, actually. What I know, uh, as a, we have the differences in women and men in self-esteem. I also know that different strategies to increase um, self-esteem, there are some techniques to increase, of course, uh, how we see ourselves. And one is, for example, to read or write positive uh, texts on, our, on ourselves mm -hmm. and... This seems to be more effectful in men than in women, to read positive texts about oneself. Mm -hmm. So, again, we are here considering sex differences. I think it's really important to, to see which interventions are, which and why, as a, which interventions are effectful for which sex and why. So what is, what is the reason for it? So self-esteem self in general can help both men and women in also coping with stress. But how you can increase your self-esteem might then again differ for women and men. Yeah. Okay. I, I think so. And then I'm very excited about further of the data, especially about the study in which you increased specifically increased self-esteem by this intervention. And I also assume that you then assess the women in an fMRI scanner to see about their brain response mm -hmm. in response yeah. to the stress task. Yeah, exactly. So we are still analyzing the data, so it's mm -hmm. not uh, <laughs> more it's preliminary. More yeah, exactly. But we saw we see also. Um, an association with an area in the anterior cingulate cortex that is associated with uh, emotion regulation. And it is also connected to other brain regions. I just So far I just talked about specific brain areas that are associated. Mm -hmm. But of course the brain is communicating with each other. It's not just a single um, area, it's rather a network. So brain areas are activating or deactivating each other and communicating and... The amygdala, we already talked about it, is strongly connected to the anterior cingulate cortex, but also to other frontal areas. And mm -hmm. also in this network, we know that sex differences appear. So sex differences appear on a, on lo on a lot of different, different le levels. levels yeah. Because also in the network between amygdala and frontal areas, different frontal areas, we see sex differences And we also see differences in association with hormones, stress hormone, cortisol, for example, but also with testosterone. I see. So it is yeah, very important to assess sex differences on different levels. Yeah. <laughs> but now about these two studies, the cognitive regulation study and the study on self-esteem. What are implications of these results that you take regarding sex gender differences in stress reduction and the coping mechanisms, if you have to sum up the implication of these results? We do see them. So women and men are not the same in that case. We have to consider them. Women are more stressed by the attempt to cognitively regulate, which might be due to this co as a neural effort they have to put in it. No? We see it on the neural side, we see it on a neural level. So the um, cognitive or attentional network seems to be 
uh, more activated in the women, which might contribute to this increase in subjective rest during this cognitive regulation. And it again shows cognitive regulation is not really really helpful in a cognitive during a cognitive task. But still, we as for both women and men, but uh, still we have to consider that women seem to be more stressed by this area, and we have to find out why to further improve the the treatment and also maybe choose different techniques like the self-esteem intervention for women to help them to regulate their stress response correct yeah, yeah. Uh, at least that's what i mm-hmm. what i'm taking i think that's a super interesting finding to also see that it doesn't have to be cognitive regulation for the women to cope with their stresses but rather different ways Before we come now to our final question, I want to briefly summarize what we've talked about in maybe three points, if I can make it. So first of all, you have explained us that stress is rather an adaptive response and not per se negative. And this response is often directed towards a stressor, which happens on multiple levels. So we have talked about the physiological levels where we experience an increased heart rate, increased skin conductance that is sweating a little bit but also we see hormonal responses like an increase in adrenaline or cortisol and also on the level of the brain we see different areas are activated different areas are deactivated and this all can have also effects on our mental health if the stress is becoming chronic or if we're not able to cope with that anymore. And secondly, besides talking about sex-independent mechanisms of stress, there is evidence on sex-gender differences in the stress response, namely that we see differences in the cortisol reactivity, that men have a higher cortisol response, but then for the women we see increased brain activity in response to stress. And also when talking about sex-related disorders like depression, we also see sex-gender differences there but they might just happen on different levels. And this might be explained due to different mechanisms that are underlying these responses later on. And supposedly what we can assume by now is that these can be explained by the different sex hormone levels that women and men have. And thirdly, you also explained us about sex gender differences in stress regulation. Namely that for men, cognitive regulation of their stress experience might work quite well, but it doesn't so for women. And rather in women, we see that an approach or an intervention to increase self-esteem might have more positive effects on the stress regulation in women. However, as you also mentioned, and I just want to get back to that point because I'm happy that you made it, there are also differences in stress response across the female lifespan, depending on the hormonal fluctuations and transition phases like puberty, the menstrual cycle, in women using hormonal contraceptives during pregnancy and also later on during menopause. And I can already promise that we will talk about these female-specific events in the context of stress in the future as we have excellent PhD candidates working on these topics and presenting us then state-of-the-art research in another episode. But I'm happy that you mentioned that But of, because, of course, it is a little bit more complex than just talking about men and women because women differ across the reproductive lifespan. But for now, I would like to take a peek into the future and ask you my favorite and final question. 
That is, what is the next step or the next question to ask about sex gender differences in stress response or regulation, especially when considering female-specific processes? The next question to ask, for me, of course, it is of interest, what is the impact of sex hormones, such as testosterone or estradiol, on stress regulation? So how can sex hormones impact our regulation ability? Because we also see in exploratory analysis that testosterone is associated with self-esteem, for example, and with the performance. So I would be very interested to also see how are these sex hormones that are differently secreted in women and men associated with these different techniques, regulation techniques, and it might be the cognitive regulation, but also improving self-esteem or how um, are they connected to each other. Also going in more detail, because this was your question in women, I think it is really necessary to see throughout these transition phases you mentioned, how are these sex hormones associated with our coping mechanisms after the menopause, for example, or during the menopause when there are rise and fall of sex hormones. And of course, it is also necessary to know in pregnancy or postpartum period. So there is a lot of things we still should assess and have to go into how the HPA axis is associated with sex hormones and also then the output of regulation techniques. And specifically, the last point that you made is then also helping us to understand women's mental health. So if we know more about the transition phases, we will yeah. learn more about women's mental yeah. health specifically. Exactly. And also, if you if we talk about mental health, if we go into the depression or other stress-related disorders. How can we improve stress resilience here? And how can we improve treatment and intervention for women in different life stages. Big questions to ask. And I'm happy that we will record future episodes about these topics too. But for now, Lydia, I thank you for taking your time and being on the podcast. This is again a very important topic. And as already mentioned, it gave us the perfect start for delving more into stress and specifically female-specific reproductive events across the lifespan in the future. And before we end, I want to give a shout out to my fellow PhD candidate, Anna Denninger, who supported me this time in contributing to this episode, fact-checking and preparing questions. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and took one or two things from this talk with Lydia and perhaps also apply them in your daily life by increasing your self-esteem, perhaps. If you have any feedback, questions or suggestions for specific topics, please let us know and contact us via mail or Twitter. As always, you can find information in the show notes of this episode and our podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and if you did, we would be happy if you shared it with family, friends or colleagues. Until then, we will hear us the next time when we talk about women. 